and at the end of the story, the boy said, But wait a minute, what about... No time for questions, said the old woman. It's market day, work to be done. And so she led the boy into the market. And she laid out her stand, and there she sold her lotions and potions, and the boy learnt how to sell and learnt how to bargain. And the old woman noticed something. The old woman noticed the boy noticing a young girl. And on the way back he had his head in the clouds, and she tried to talk to him, but he wasn't paying any attention, until eventually the old woman started to whistle. And the boy turned to her and said, Why are you whistling? Ah, she said, listen to this. Once there was a street boy who lived near the market and he got friendly with the stallholders and they gave him jobs to do fetching, carrying and he lived there underneath one of the stalls sleeping there at night and the stallholders they would give him scraps of food or the occasional coin and sometimes he stole and also in the marketplace there was an old man who played the flute He had a long bamboo flute and he would play these long, slow, soulful tunes that the boy loved. One day he was off doing an errand for one of the stallholders and when he got back, the market was quiet. What was different? No music. He turned and asked one of the stallholders what had happened to the old man. And the stallholder said, yeah, It's very sad, but we knew this day would come. Your friend, the old man, is dead. He's buried already. And the boy looked at the space where the old man had been, the stained cardboard on the ground where he had slept, a single abandoned shoe, and there leaning against the wall, the flute. He picked it up and he rushed off somewhere to be on his own. And he held the flute for a while. He picked it up, put it to his lips and blew. But all he heard was the sound of his own breath. He kept hold of the flute, though. And one day he tried again. But this time he remembered how the old man sat, so that is how he sat. He remembered how the old man settled himself the precise way that he held the flute, the way he breathed before raising it to his lips, and the way he eased his breath into the length of the flute, and as he did all this, he made his first note, the first of many. And bit by bit he began to weave the notes together into the old familiar tunes that the man had played. And he'd come into the marketplace and he'd sit down and he'd start to play the flute. But he decided to change the tunes. He sped them up. He invented new ones. Because he could see that when people heard a lively tune, they spent more money. And the stallholders were pleased. They gave him more food. They gave him a little more money. 
but he still loved and remembered the old, sad tunes. He couldn't play them, though. It was bad for business. So he found a place a little way off from the market, where there was a, an old wall, tall. You could almost barely see the top of it, and beside it there was a fig tree climbing up the crumbling plaster. Well, the boy sat on the lowest branch of the fig tree, and its great broad leaves were all around him, so he felt that he was on his own. And he lifted up the flute, and he played just for himself. And after playing, he would sit in the silence, look up, see a fig, reach out, pluck it, and eat. He'd come back day by day whenever he had spare time, but of course, because he was eating the figs, he found himself sitting on ever higher branches. And as time went on, he found himself eventually almost at the very top of the tree. And as usual, he played, reached out, and the fig he was reaching for was just over the top of the wall, and as he reached he glanced down, and for the first time he looked at what was on the other side of the wall, and what he saw took his breath away. There was a garden there of neatly trimmed lawns, and fountains, and statues, and flowers whose names he did not know, whose heady scent came up to greet him, and birds and butterflies flying around, and there walking in the garden as if she was looking for something, the most beautiful girl he'd ever seen. And he realised what she was doing. She wasn't looking for something at all. She was listening for something. Listening for the music. Still hidden behind the fig trees, he raised the flute once more and breathed into it and saw her smile. He played for a while, climbed down and went back to the marketplace. And every day he'd go back, every day, sheltered and hidden by the fig leaves, he would play for her and she would come out and she would listen and day by day, of course, he fell ever deeper in love with her. One day he finished his tune, realising that he would have to go back to the marketplace, and as he climbed down the tree he said to himself, Tomorrow, tomorrow I will show myself to her, and we shall see what we shall see. Into the marketplace he went, and there were crowds of people there he did not recognise, speaking a language he could barely understand, and he asked one of his friends, the stallholders, Who are these people? Ah, good news, said the stallholder. Our king, his daughter is almost old enough to be married. And a foreign prince has come with his great retinue. And he's asking if he can marry the daughter, the princess. The king, of course, because you know how proud he is, is going to refuse because only the mightiest and wealthiest prince or king will get to marry his daughter. So not to worry, there will be plenty more foreign retinues to come and spend money in our marketplace. And the trader went back to selling his wares to these foreigners. And the boy's heart sank, because he now he realised the truth of the matter, that the woman that he was in love with was none other than the princess, and he knew that he would never even get to have a conversation with her, let alone marry her, and he knew with a sickening certainty that the only thing he had to do was leave. A few days later... There were traders from many miles away, desert traders, 
So he went up to them, and by waving his arms, he managed to communicate to them that he wanted to go with them. They nodded their agreement. So that night, as their goods were laden onto the backs of their camels, the boy went with them and travelled for many, many, many miles through the desert which he had never seen before until they got to an oasis. And the boy slept, looking up at the stars through the leaves of the palm trees above his head. He woke up in the morning and saw that he was alone. And they'd gone without him. They'd forgotten him. And he was there, abandoned in the middle of the desert, in the middle of this oasis. And then he had a splash. And there in the water hole he saw an old man filling up a pot with water. The old man saw him and asked him what his problem was. And then said, well, look, my boy, you better come into my little house because soon it will get very hot. The old man had built a little stone house, a tiny door and a tiny window. And there they sat and talked and the old man shared his food. They crouched at the side of the little fire. And once he'd heard the boy's story, the old man said, So, what do you want? It's simple, said the boy. I want to leave behind everything that I had and start all over. I can help you, said the old man. But in order for me to help you, you have to give me something of your old life. And the boy reached inside his coat took out the flute and handed it to him. The old man held the bamboo flute in his hands for a short while and then he snapped it across his knee and fed the two broken halves into the flames and together they watched it burn. They looked at the glowing embers and watched them slowly fade and when the sun was rising outside the old man reached forward and put the tip of his index finger in the ash and drew a symbol on the young man's forehead and said, Now we can begin. This old hermit was no ordinary old man. He was a magician and he taught the boy everything he knew. But his magic was not the hocus-pocus type. It was a magic of minds. A magic of words. And the boy listened. And the boy learnt. Until eventually when he was a young man, the hermit said, Now you must go. I can teach you no more. Good luck. And he started his travels. And using his magic, he was able, just by talking to someone, to help them see what it was they needed to do, even if it was painful or difficult. And if he met someone who was intent on doing evil to another, he could sense it. And just by talking to that person, their mind would be tied up in knots and they could not do the evil they had intended. And he went from place to place doing this very thing until people began to realize that they were being helped and they would help him. They would give him money, they would give him food and someone even gave him a horse. And as time went on, he became more and more skilled. And although he was not rich, and he had no permanent home, yet he had a fine horse, he had good clothes, he always had money in his pocket, he was always able to pay to stay at the inns where he rested, and to eat good food, and to drink wine. And about five years later, one night he was in an inn, when his ear was attracted 
by the voices at the table next door. These men were speaking in the accents of his home city, and he went and asked to join them, and they talked for a while, and eventually he said, So how are things in the old city? And they shook their heads and said, Very bad. You know how proud our king is, well. He has refused to allow his daughter to marry any of the suitors that have come, until eventually the mightiest and most aggressive king in the entire region has come and asked to marry the princess, and our king refused. And feeling insulted at the slight, this king has brought his army and has surrounded the city, laying siege to it, and he has said that once he breaks inside, he will kill everyone there, starting with the princess. Well then, said the magician, it's time for us to go. And they pushed away their half-full plates, and out they went, and rode through the night. And as dawn broke, the young magician was sitting at the top of a cliff, at the foot of which there was a valley, and in the valley there was the city, and surrounding it a huge and mighty army. And he sat there, watching, thinking. And then people in the camp would suddenly rush outside their tents and look, feeling that people were watching them or they were about to be attacked. They stared into the gloom, but they saw nothing and went back inside. And then again they would reappear, this time with a sword, convinced that they were being attacked. And before long they were sure that they could actually see the enemy. And they flailed away at mid-air, charging and screaming, until panic took hold of the entire camp and they fled leaving the dogs to wander amongst the tents and the fires. The citizens had been watching this from the top of the wall, and they saw the young stranger get to his feet and walk down the path to the bottom of the cliff, walk through the deserted camp right towards the gates of the city, which were thrown open, and amongst the cheering throng. He was led all the way to the palace and up the stairs and straight into the room where the king sits on his throne. He bowed before the king and the king said, You have saved my city and the life of all who live in it. There is only one reward I can give you. You shall marry my daughter. And the door opened and in she came even more beautiful now as a woman than she'd been as a girl. And she sat on her throne. And the stranger spoke to her, saying, I know that you will marry me out of obedience to your father and loyalty to your city. I have a single question for you, and please deal with me simply and honestly. Do you think that love can ever grow between us? And the princess replied, Since you have asked me to be honest, I have to say this. No. No. There is only one man that I can love. Many, many years ago, when I was just on the cusp of womanhood, I heard a young boy play the flute, and the noise of that flute ravished my heart. And it is only with that boy I can ever truly be in love. Thank you for your answer. 
said the young magician. He got to his feet, he turned round, he walked out of there, got on his horse, galloped off, never once looking round.